It's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Jamie. I'm one of the pastors here at Summit Crossing. And it's uh, just a beautiful day to welcome you here. Um, if this is your first time, we typically go, uh, typically go through books of the Bible. Uh, we'll be starting in James uh, next week, and that'll be probably for the next, I'm going to guess, about 10 weeks or so. Um, so hopefully you'll be able to join us for that. <clears throat> what we've been going through for the last three weeks is a series called Simplify. Um, it's just a, a time that we're going to focus inward, contemplating our, our lives a little bit, understanding that we were made for worship, and therefore we were made to need, right? You need food, you need water, you need sleep, you need, you, you need rest, you need God in the same way. And so we've been talking about how busy we are, our busyness and our need for rest, and then the need to prune out the urgent over the important in, in our lives, right? Um, to refocus on prayer, and we talked about fasting last week. So it's a return to simplicity um, so that we can be postured in our hearts to hear from the book of James, which is very, as we talked about, action-oriented. It is do this and, and do that, and if you're a Christian, this is what it looks like. Um, and so what I'm hoping is as we learn to kind of rest a little bit, um, to, to maybe be still a little bit before the Lord, Maybe you want to go back to the Hebrew calendar day uh, where we, we talked about you go from 6 in the morning to 6 at night and that's dedicated to work and productivity and, and bringing adding value to life and to your, your community. And then from 6 to 10 is dedicated to relationships and 10 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning is dedicated to rest and being restored for the day. Um, we're kind of implementing something similar uh, like that in, in our family. And so I want you to to spend some time soaking in a place that James assumes, the book of James assumes that you live in, which is in the presence of Jesus, feasting at his table so that you're full of life, ready to share it with others. But today we're going to talk about the gospel and tech. Um, so it's a little bit different than we normally do. So please understand this is it's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, and it's really been a struggle for me. And I'm like, this... I don't want it to downshift into practical tips and applications on how to apply this to your life, right? I, this is about the gospel. This is about Jesus. And so I, I want you to hear that. And we're going to come back to that at, at the end. Um, two reference books. Um, I think we, well, we sold out of this one. We got some more of these in. Number one is The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. Very helpful, very practical. Um, just some ideas that he gives us. And here it's going to talk about the intentionality of, of screening, um, the best, there's like a whole chapter on how best to defend against porn, pornography. Um, if you know the top 10 sites, uh, that are trafficked on the internet, including Google and Facebook of the top 10, six, seven, and nine are dedicated to pornography. Like this is in the world. So just so you'll know that that's what drives the internet. Um, so he's like, how, how do you defend against that? How, what if you're a teenager? What if you're, uh, just a person, <laughs> right? How do you, how do you defend against that? Um, it's a really good chapter there. There's also, he gives all these theories and then he, the last part of each chapter, he's like, and here's how it really kind of worked out in our family. And this didn't do so well. And this is where we like to improve. So very practical here. Um, it's called the TechWise Family. It's a little red book available on Kindle. And then this one is 12 ways your phone is changing you by Tony Rinke. I think we have like six or seven copies out there at, um, at the bookstore and it is, a fantastic book on the philosophy of how technology and the phone in particular is changing the way we think about things. Um, it's changing. We're going to talk about that and how we live in a world of distraction. And so how do we fight that? How do we fight that? Um, so here are three points today. Uh, number one, the theology of technology. 
All right, let, let's talk about that a little bit, okay? Um, there is such a thing. Um, number two, the real problem of distraction. What's the real problem? And finally, uh, responses or Christian responses in, in a tech world. So um, this week, I was at a kindergarten graduation. It's the fourth one I've been to. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those or if you were, when I grew up, we didn't have those, but we have those now. And so that's a thing. And so you got uh, cute little six-year-olds up on stage, maybe 30 or plus of them. And you've got all the parents and grandparents and in-laws and outlaws and everybody's there, you know, waiting and, and, and watching their little precious sunshine. Um, and I don't know if you've been to one of these graduations in the last three to five years, but it's very different than 10 years ago. What's different? Everybody pulls out their camera, their their phone, and does this right above them. Now, if you're on the front row, that is fantastic. If you're on the second row, it's not so bad. If you're on the third row, you know, you progressively get to where you can't see anything but video screens of the stage, right? Now, now don't get me don't get me wrong. I I love technology today. I mean, it's wonderfully easy to take photos, to post a pic on, on Facebook for your family and friends instantly, to send a video of my child walking across and getting a kindergarten diploma to my mother who couldn't make it in Mississippi. That is awesome. And I love technology. It's so great to keep us closer and informed. Yet when everybody's doing this at the same time, um, I, I can't see the stage I can't see my kid, and because of the sea of the phones that are in front of me, it's like a like a news conference from everybody doing the same thing. I hate technology. I just want to go back to the old days when you had like one one guy in the back with this big old camcorder on his shoulder. You know, he's just kind of doing this, and then you pay ten dollars at the end, and you know you have a fuzzy picture of you know some things that looked kind of like what you were you were looking at. Um, It makes me long for that. So I have this love-hate relationship with technology. I don't know if you are like that at all. I, I love that I don't get lost anymore because of GPS, because I'm directionally challenged, right? I love that I can get stuff done almost anywhere with great efficiency. I love that I, I can access pictures from five years ago when I run into an old friend and go, oh, this is, this is what's happening. Look at this, look at this. I love that I can order almost anything and get it in two days for free. Right? I, I love that, that that, I just, I feel better about myself just knowing I can do that. It's almost like it's a back closet that I, I didn't know I had. I'm like, you know, it's a digital closet. But I hate that I'm always expected to be available. There's no, I'm sorry, he's not home right now as I wrap the phone cord around me that's 30 feet long from 1982. He's not here right now. That means... What I'm saying is, you can't talk to him. He is not available. There, there is none of that. I hate looking at, at a family in a restaurant that, that's got their kids with them and, and everybody's staring into a screen, a growing rectangle. You know what I hate even more? When I go home and we sit on the couch and we do the same thing. Technology can promise to help give us the life we want while actually keeping us from it. I want more time. I want to get more done. I want to be informed. I want to be more connected, right? But I end up wasting more time, getting less done, forgetting more than I learned, and wishing I wasn't so connected. Multiple studies have been shown that the prefrontal cortex of your brain, that the front part, um, it's affected by 
increased. It's related to directly by the time that we spend on social media to a decreased ability to concentrate. I mean, there are multiple studies that are out there that are showing us we can't deep think anymore. We can't hold our attention for more than really 30 seconds. The executive functioning part, portion of our brain is actually changed chemically. Spending large amounts of time fragmenting our thoughts, it leads to permanently affecting how we think. And so we're, we're constantly training ourselves to focus on something for less than 30 seconds at a time. And when you practice something, you get good at it. And it's your default on how you think and how you read. And so we are distracted from life and distracted from God. We have an appetite for distraction. And tech, technology magnifies it. It tends to lead us away from God. Uh, we don't know how to be still. We just, we don't know how to do that anymore. We don't know how to just sit in a waiting room for the doctor and sit. We've got to be filling it up and scrolling, right? We've, we've got to, we can't waste any time. At least that's the way it, it feels. Those cracks of time in our life go, cannot go unfilled. Going to the bathroom, that's an opportunity now, right? You can catch up on the news or on which Hollywood stars actually hate each other in real life. Is that a good stewardship of our time, or does this fuel our anxiety? So ironically, although technology brings us together more than ever, according to studies, the more you view social media, the lonelier you feel. Isn't that that ironic? There's a direct relationship with, and there's studies, that with looking at Facebook, the more you look at Facebook, there's an increased depression rate. With how much time? There's an increased addiction rate with Twitter. And overall, social, social media, when left unchecked, it lends itself to this general hum of anxiety in the background of our lives. And it, it cultivates a culture of entertainment that through the promise of efficiency and being more informed, what we're doing is, is we're training ourselves. And we're training ourselves to be rewarded with likes, shares, and that is in exchange for our personal information being sold and mined, right? So, you sound really down on technology. I'm not. I just want to make sure we're in the same world, (laughs) if we are, right? Because how do we apply the gospel to that? Because the truth is, technology is a part of the world we live in, whether you like it or not. So what do we do with it? Now, I want to say early on, technology is not bad, in and of itself. In fact, I believe the opposite is true. Amazing things have come out of it. Surgical procedures, heart transplants, total hip replacements, and knee. Um, people's lives are saved. They, they prolong death and, and, and sicknesses. There's amazing cures that are coming out of that. Learning has exploded. Humanity has thrived. Jobs are created. Life has improved. Absolutely. So as t- technology, would you say, is it good or bad? Or both. Or is it amoral? Amoral means it's not good or bad. So it's either both or it's one or the other or it's neither. Now, I used to argue and I was in the amoral camp. Um, I'm not right now. It's an open-handed thing. We're not going to, you know, it's not, not a closed-handed thing. Um, I used to think that it was, it was amoral. I think it's a gift meant for good. But like any gift, it can be misused and it can be abused. 
when it's taken out of his intended lane. Just like food. When you abuse food, you'll pay for it. So let's start in the garden. We were reading from, uh, Dean read from Genesis. And it talked about what all what God put in the garden. And, and there was gold and there was delium and there were these, these uh, raw materials, right? Silver was there, iron. We get that from Genesis 2. God commanded his, tre- his creatures. He says, hey, have families. Collect food. Work the land. Govern animals. Have dominion in all the earth. Rule it. And the garden was the beginning. It, it wasn't the end. And so these raw materials are harvested and used to improve life. A shovel is rearranged wood and iron. Right? You rearrange iron, you melt it down, you put it in the form of a a blade and stick a wooden handle on it and you've got a shovel. That's technology. That's progression. If you go far back enough. A horse-drawn plow is technology if you were using a pickaxe to to, to, uh, plant the field. And so we have to think like that, right? These are good gifts for humans to rule and do what God has called them to do. According to Rinky's book, which I found very, this is this one, which is very interesting, is that God's goal, and in fact in the book of Revelation, is a glorious city, a celestial resplendent city, right? Paths of gold, streets of gold, and we, we have these metaphors in our head of what it looks like because our, our brain is not going to be able to comprehend it. We can hardly imagine. And one day he'll perfect the world. We'll have a new heavens and a new earth. But unseen in the first garden is the untilled soil, the unworked garden that's going to be a glorious city. So we, we start in a garden and we end up in a city. And God is governing the entire process. Technology isn't just phones and computers and screens. It's shovels and sickles and horse-drawn plows that progress to GPS-guided quarter-million-dollar tractors that'll plow a field on their own once they've been programmed. It started with listening to stories around a fire and then a fireplace and a kitchen and then a radio and a house and then a TV and it's progressed now to iPhones and tablets. Technology started on stone tablets and then on papyrus and calfskin, then on paper, then a printing press was invented and now we have e-docs and Kindle and iPad. Technology, like our world, is always changing. Is my point. So how do you view it? Does technology serve you well? Or do you serve it? Does it determine where you go, how you feel? Does it determine your mood for the day? What you see on there? Is social media your problem? Should we do like so many articles I googled that said... I walked away from social media. I'm like, but you put that up. You know, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> okay, maybe that's your last thing. I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, it's there. You know, I Googled you. Do we just walk away from it? Do we get off the grid? I'm just going to set up a food plot. I'm going to, I'm going to, I couldn't, I would die. You know, <laughs> I have to go to the grocery store. I, there's a lot of things I don't know how to do at all. And so what do I, I'm not, am I just stuck? Do I just choose certain things to not ever do again? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm tell you what to cope with and what to wrestle with. What does God's word say? What does he call us to? 
What we must understand is this, that technology and social media aren't the biggest problem. We are. Our hearts. Our sin. Remember, technology is a gift. How we steward that gift is the issue. So that's number one. That's kind of a theology of technology, that we're on this this move from the garden to a city, and God uses technology. Can you imagine? Think of the sermons that I have access to and the, the learning that I have access to now that I... You know what I had growing up? I had my preacher, and that was it. And some, some book studies, and I was, I was part of a tape ministry for <laughs> like $3 a tape, and I'd get one like every other, you know, every few weeks or so. And I, I'm like, I don't know, I'll try this person, I'll try this person. You know, I didn't know. And it's amazing what we have access to now. So what's the real problem? The real problem is that technology, social media, is a megaphone for our hearts. It takes what's in here and it gives it a platform and explodes. Not only for us to go out, but for us to bring in. We can find what we want. It gives us what we want, what we desire, our hopes. It also gives us dreams, disappointments, a sense of justice. It gives us what we want, what our hearts really want. We, we, we want to feel that we matter and that we have a voice. We want to feel needed. That's why we love shares. We want to feel approved. That's why we like likes. Did so-and-so, how many likes did I get? So we, we measure by the volume of thumb-ups. We want to be informed. Of everything. So there's something, there's not something we aren't informed about so that we can be in control. We want to be in touch with friends and with family because we want to know and to be known. That, that's hardwired into us. We don't want to be left out. There's this need for community. It, it just does that without God. Left to itself. And so it never really satisfies us. And technology can take our wants and our desires and use it against us. The term FOMO. Anybody know FOMO? F-O-M-O? Wow. I feel really intelligent right now. No. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a term on, on, the, on, the, on social media. It stands for fear of missing out. All right, The fear of missing out. And it's not new. It was coined back in 2004, actually. But it's really not new at all, the idea of it. Right? It's, it's when you fear that you're not going to be included. You're going to be missed. You're going to miss a story. You're going to be miss, you're miss out on a party. You're going to find out about something too late. You're going to be left behind socially by your friends. But it, it's not a new idea. It originated in the garden. It's like, it's as old as we are. It's as old as sin. <laughs> when Adam and Eve distrusted God and, and said, he said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they thought God was holding out on them. We're going to miss out. We're gonna, we're gonna, there, there's got to be something better than this. this that, that one thing that we can't get, it's got to be the thing that I need. And God's holding out on us. And so they thought they knew better. They believed the lie of the serpent. FOMO was Satan's attack. It's his first method. And it worked then. 
And it's still performing like a charm. We don't want to be left out. We don't want to be left behind. We don't want to be the people that aren't included on the Instagram party pic. We don't want to realize suddenly we weren't invited. We're not part of the in crowd because it hurts. The internet can almost assure that that won't happen as long as you stay engaged. If, if you will, you know, you keep checking in because it never sleeps and it never slumbers. And so our distraction grows and it builds on itself. It reminds us with push notifications, badge alerts, vibrations constantly. To the extent that our phone is simply an extension of ourselves. Is technology the problem? No, it's not the main problem. It's part of it. It's not bad. We can't blame technology for our shortcomings when we have Genesis 3 rebellious hearts in a Romans 1 fallen digital world. Our, our hearts are blind because of sin. And social media has weaponized the way Satan battles for our souls. Here's what tech does. Technology, social media specifically, incubates, accelerates, and magnifies our hearts to whatever platform we have access to. It incubates, accelerates, and magnifies. It just takes what's already there and just kind of churns it up and it just turns the notch up and intensifies. And so we can't fully blame technology for a heart problem. It's the human heart. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you say comes from what's being built up in your heart. Right? So, in a sense, we are what we tweet. We are what we Instagram, in a sense. The tongue is reflected by the post or the tweet. Tech just makes it louder and easier. It's a megaphone for our hearts to all those within our broadcast distance. Okay, let's just cut it out then. Just, just walk away, Jamie. I'm going to the woods. I'm going to throw this thing. I'm going to just step away. I'm going to learn how to garden. We're not going to have any tech at all. Here, here's where the gospel comes in. You've got to, to really listen. The danger is that we just modify our digital engagement without digging into the deeper issues. We just modify our, di- our digital engagement without digging into the deeper issues of what it reveals about our motives and our priorities. That makes sense. Here, here's the illustration. You're driving down the street. I had this happen just recently in my little truck, 2004, right? And I'm driving down the truck, and, and the engine light's on, which is not a big deal because my engine light's been on for two years. So I'm like, yeah, there it is again. You know? <laughs> okay, fine. And then it starts blinking at me. And so I'm like, well, that, that's probably something. You know, <laughs> that's probably, And what that is is a blown head gasket is what that is. So... Um, that's what it was at the time. But the, the way that you deal with a blinking engine light is you do not take your index card of Scripture on the left side of your dash and move it over to the right side on top of the blinking light. That will get you a few miles. But something's going to break because you're not dealing with the source. You're dealing with the symptom. You don't just take a shoe out, turn the radio up, and everything goes away. Right? I'm just going to knock that light out, and we're fine. 
It doesn't work like that. It's a heart issue. It's an engine issue. Something needs to be changed or fixed or made new. Right? And we must recognize this is a gospel issue, not a superficial behavior modification fix. And so what happens is a lot of times it turns into what's called, we call it sin management. You just kind of manage your sins and, well, well, stop this and I've got pride. Well, I've got some anger over here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really work on my anger. And then what happens when you finally get anger in control and you've read enough books and you've done that, then pride just kind of swells up because you were able to do it. And so you're just taking, taking turns, just working on one sin at a time, and you're just managing your sin rather than slaying it. The Bible calls us to crucify the old man. And we do that through the Spirit. We do that through Christ coming in, through union with Jesus. And we stop chasing and treating symptoms that never get to the heart. And so we find out what the real issue is. And so we look at our hearts... Right? And then it's not solved just by fasting from Netflix, although that may be a part of it. Okay, that may be a part of it, but that is not the answer. It's just go and whip up your flesh and discipline your flesh with more flesh. I'm just going to change this, or I'm going to get up early. I'm like, that, that's great if you get up early and read the Bible. That may be it. But, but you're not going to fix a sin problem. That has to be slayed through the Spirit. Okay, and so we have to understand this is coming from, from our hearts, and so we've got to go deeper than the symptoms, deeper than the surface. It's got to go inside. Is the fruit of our lives, is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Is that what it looks like, or is it fear, apprehension, is it FOMO, is, is, is that mainly what we have? Is it full of anxiety and depression? It doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with those things. That's not who you are. That's what you're struggling with. But is that mainly what is defining you? Is social media a source for that? Well, let's go back a little further. Why does that bother you? So let's retro-engineer that from the fruit, which is anxiety or depression, and work backwards. Now, how did we get there? Behind every sin is a failure to believe truth or a truth about God. We call these gospel gaps. Right? It's a place where we're not believing the gospel. So if you have FOMO, if you have a, this fear of missing out, if you feel like you're left behind, it's because you, you have this deep desire for approval. I'll walk you through that. That's what I would feel. Now, there's a lot of different examples of this. You don't believe you matter. And you're hurt when others confirm that by not liking your picture enough, right? Well, if I get 100, I'm okay. If I get 75, I'm like, eh, 50, I'm a total loser. And so we measure ourselves by the output that generates from social media. And so what you're really believing, if you take that back a little further, is that you're believing that God isn't enough to take care of you. It means you you don't believe God is powerful enough or loving enough. So you end up finding your identity and checking your status. And God becomes very small, insignificant to you and powerless. The gospel gap here is that you aren't believing truth about God. I mean, that's the problem. Not the technology, it's just revealing it. It's showing us how deep that runs and how much power that has over you and how much you don't trust God and how much you need God and how much you really are dependent on Him. You just didn't see it. You were, you were going to a false well. That's Jeremiah 2, 13. My, my people have committed two evils. They've turned from me. 
And they're, 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 they're drinking out of waters that, uh, wells that can hold no water. And that's what we do. You know, the scripture says, and this is where we fight with the truth. It says that God loves you enough to put forth his son on the cross. That he didn't spare his only son, right? But he gave him up for us all. And how will he not also with him give us graciously all things? This is, this is how we combat and fight. This is the fight of faith that, that God is for you and his approval is all you need. Do you believe that? I don't. I don't believe that right now. I like having his approval and this. When you understand God's approval and you understand who he is, you don't need to prove yourself anymore. You don't need to impress anyone anymore. You're free. You're free to be who you are, who he's made you to be. You don't have to get X number of likes. You can just speak because you're already approved. You believe it and you can rest in it. That's a maturity in Christ. It takes time. And it takes dependence and a recognition of weakness. And learning to embrace weakness, not to go seek it out, but when you realize it, you see the value that there is and you can see the the power and the glory and the significance of who Christ is and what he's called you to and who you have been united to. And when you understand and work in your life, out of a fullness of an approval from Christ, you understand what true freedom is. You have a Father that loves you, that you are approved eternally where it matters in Jesus, and you have nowhere else that you need to look to find your value. Wouldn't that be awesome to live like that? We're supposed to. How do we do that? Let's, that's what this is about. This is about learning to live a Christian life. <laughs> this is what Christian, this is what Christian life is supposed to look like and feel like. This is how, uh, this is a, a Google exec kind of use this term, but this is how you turn your FOMO into JOMO. The fear of missing out into the joy of missing out. You don't care. It doesn't define you anymore. It can be there. It can be not. It can be bad news. It can be good news. It doesn't define you because you're rock solid, an oak of righteousness with deep roots in the gospel that understand who you are, whose you are, and therefore you can respond to a broken world from a full heart. This is how we combat tech that could just carve up our hearts. This is how we fight insecurity, inadequacy. This is how we fight shame, fear, guilt, not feeling like you're enough. This is how you preach the gospel to yourself. Instead of listening to our hearts, sometimes we need to speak to them. And sin needs to be killed, not rearranged. Jesus took care of the sin for us. You know this. This is something I learned this week that I thought was fantastic. Jesus took care of sin and he used technology as part of the solution. God created trees to provide shelter, fuel, and food for humans. The Romans made crosses out of the trees. And the cross was an innovation ahead of its time designed to kill criminals slowly by exhaustion and asphyxiation. It was a public torture to strike fear into the hearts of the general public 
so as to say, if you defy Roman rule, this happens to you. It was a technology unequaled and unparalleled. God created trees to serve man, but man created crosses to destroy man. And through the misuse of technology, man killed the author of life, and yet God is sovereign over the process. Technology is never outside of the sovereignty of God. That's what I want you to hear, that there is hope, that we're not going down the tubes. Because that's, that's what I would do. If it, I, somebody needs to inject some gospel hope into this technology because I don't see this getting any better. And if it's just a megaphone for the human heart, well, then it's just going to get worse. Jesus made a mockery of the misuse of technology at the cross. He redeemed it. He hacked the cross. He hacked Calvary. He subverted it by flipping it on its head. Man made it to destroy man, and he made it to save man. That's what he used it for. And I thought, that is awesome. So what God, what man intended for evil, God used for good, and he's still doing that today. That God is in control even during the age of digital technology. Just because we're in this world of increasing virtual reality and glowing rectangles, he is not surprised or caught off guard at all. And so there's hope for you, for me, for Christians engaging in technology in a way that can actually make disciples. We can use it for good. We just have to understand ourselves, be self-aware that it's our hearts that need to be dealt with. That we're not going to just blame technology. That our hearts need to submit to King Jesus. We need to recognize the deep longings for acceptance and approval at any cost or to gain control of our lives that are apart from him or that we want to be successful by our own doing or find comfort or find uh, this just a lack of stress. We need to take those things and just put them at the cross. So that's the real problem is us. Our hearts. The solution is the same. It's the cross. The resurrection of Jesus. Trusting in him to find our acceptance and our okayness, our value and significance. That we don't work toward it. That he freely gives when we just simply believe in what he did and who he is and who he is to us. And learning how to do that Monday morning when you check your status. Or learning how to do that when you decide, ah, I'm not going to check my status. I'm going to trust Jesus today. Or you, you don't check it for a long time and you realize that you don't need that anymore and, and you walk through the fact that, you know what, nobody really missed me at all. I wrote that last article about how I'm going to walk away from the Internet so it would be this big deal. Everybody, I'm leaving. And everybody said, see ya. Because the hole will be filled. Then you can come back with a good perspective and just be who you are. And you can leave it in an open hand. God, I don't need it. I don't have to have it. If you want me to use this, I'll use it. If you don't want me to use this, you can take it away. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the Lord. Can you do that with your social media account? Can you do that with your Facebook? Can you do that with Netflix? Can you do that with anything? Because you should be able to. And if you can't, we're going through fasting. It's a good time to find out what you need, what you need and you think you have to have. So what do we do? Number three, responding as a Christian in a tech world. There are three responses, obviously. Number one, we can just mindlessly accept. Oh, I just love it. I'm all in. I'm playing games all the time. I'm taking this technology to the next level. I am uh, adopting it as my own. I'm going to be on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm going to be on everything I can think of. I'm going to embrace FOMO, JOMO, everything. 
And then you have to ask the question, are you serving tech or is tech serving you? Second thing you can respond. So one is to just mindlessly embrace or receive. And number two is outright reject. We can abandon it entirely and miss out on the good elements. Forget it. I'm off the grid. I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to buy a generator. We're, just, we're, we're out. No social media, period. Maybe that's good for a little while. I don't know. Maybe forever. I, I, I'm not sure. Those are questions you need to wrestle with. But I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity to engage the kingdom. If you can do that in a healthy way. Third way to respond is to intentionally steward. This is how we as Christians are learning to be in the world, not of the world, and for the world. In the world, not of the world, but also for the world. So you're an intentional steward. And, and so you recognize the risks and the opportunities that, that technology, social media, and a fallen world has. That it is a megaphone for your heart. And so you regularly are, are, are asking self-awareness questions. You have people maybe read this before I post it. What do you think? How many people are looking at you? Know, you're, you're thinking through this in a thoughtful Christian way. And you're not just a knee-jerk response to something you've seen, read, and then you've got to tell everybody your opinion. You run it through and you thoughtfully use this platform. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. That is a great lens to look at technology through. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. That's great. Is it helpful? Are we helping others? Are we building up others or are we tearing them down? Well, we don't need to tear down. We need to build up. doesn't mean you don't speak truth. How are you speaking the truth? Are you caring for someone and how you do that? Have you thought about that? So tech is a good gift and it should be stewarded well for the kingdom. Can it help us make disciples? Absolutely. So with that in mind, knowing that it's a hard issue, yeah, it's great to have some good tips. Right? That's why we have books and, and you can Google all kinds of things, but maybe you need to set time and space boundaries. Maybe you need to charge your phone in the kitchen and not next to your bed. So the first thing you do in the morning is check the news feed and email that it, that it beats you to the Bible just because of its geography. Well, it's, you know, I've got all things in one. I got the alarm clock right there. I'm like, well, do you have the self-discipline to use it as an alarm clock? Or are you checking your status at 458? Maybe you need to have some dead hours for your family. When you come home, all screens go to one location and they're just, they're there for a set amount of time. I don't know. So, we're considering a fast. This is an opportunity. If this is your first Sunday here, don't feel like you have to do anything. If this is your three year Sunday, don't feel like you have to do anything. This is an opportunity. We've been talking about it for three weeks. You see the little card. It's right there in in your seats. If you don't have one, just kind of pull one from around. This is an opportunity to cease from one activity while you're not just stopping something and just not doing it. You're going to fill that void with Scripture or prayer Meditation, silence, solitude, things you're like, I'm uncomfortable with. Nobody really knows how to do that anymore. 
hey, we're going to do a, we'll do a blog post. We're going to do a blog post on that. Because I, I sat down with a group of pastors and I was like, well, this is, you know, you can do solitude like this. And they're like, I've never sat still that long. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, let's start back over here. <laughs> let's just take five minutes. And so you just, during our prayer time today, we usually have three prayer directives. I just have one prayer directive today. And it's simply to pray about what you want to fast from and what you will replace that with. So what you fast from, maybe it's social media, maybe it's Netflix. I'm going to do Netflix at night from 9.30 to 10.30. I, I find like that's my special time that I just get to do what I want. I've had a hard day, so I'm just going to watch something mindless for about 45 minutes. Treat myself. Is that always wrong? No, it's not. When it's my default and that's what I look forward to and that is my go-to, to, I have to be careful. I need to rethink that. And so as the worship band comes up, just take some time, look at your card, and and just ask the Lord, where is somewhere that I need to stop? And so what we're going to do is we're going to write this in. There should be pins in all the chairs, unless you're on the front row, and then you have to to look behind you. Um, And when we take communion... Put your card in one of the baskets that's going to be at the communion tables. It'll be right around that. And then next week, we're just going to, you know, this is anonymous. This is for you to know. We're just going to put them all in one place. We're going to do this for 30 days. And maybe you're going to do Netflix like me would be every night. Maybe you're going to fast from food, from, uh, from a meal on Thursday. Maybe it's breakfast. Maybe it's breakfast and lunch. Maybe you're going to go three days. Whatever it is. And we're going to spend 30 days as a church seeking the Lord. Lord, teach me to be still. Teach me to find my identity in you. Show me how to pray. And pray like Jesus. Maybe you need to go through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't know. So let's take some time right now. Pray about what we want to fast from and what we want to feast on. Write that down. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you maybe two minutes to do that. Then I'm going to close us in a prayer and lead us in the Lord's Supper.